evening and welcome back to Alpha Reviews. I'm your host Benjamin Berry and on this episode I'm going to be doing something a little bit different to the norm. Now I usually do interviews or going on about a year now, that's how infrequently I uh, upload. Uh, anybody listening right now, thank you for keeping up with me. Um, but I'm going to do something a little bit different. So obviously as you all know my main passion is the Oscar scene, the entertainment industry, kind of the glitz and glamour all of that. So I can't want to take a delve back into the past um, and discuss a really interesting year at the academy and this is something I'm going to try and do kind of make a more frequent thing on my channel you know I'm not going to promise once every month because you know I'm not the most frequent uploader in the world but maybe once every kind of six months just do an Oscars retrospective on a really interesting year at the academy and then who knows you know the Oscars you know it comes once a year and you can always use these as examples as to kind of help you predict the Oscars in the future. So with that in mind, I'm going to be doing an Oscar retrospective for the 79th Academy Awards, E.G, The Departed Wins Best Picture. This year at the Academy is best known as a year where the Academy really showers Scorsese with love. Yes, he won Best Director, which had been a very long time coming. I mean, this is the man that directed Taxi Driver, Raging Bull, Goodfellas, Casino, his time had come. They'd really savoured the moment by leaving it until he made another one of his all-time greats. But then they make the extra step and honour Scorsese with Best Picture win. This year at the Oscars Best Picture was massively up in the air. Each made a precursor went with a completely different winner, making Oscars night this year really unpredictable. Whenever a long overdue director finally wins, it, it kind of almost feels like a slap in the face when they then honour you with Best Best director know that you're a great film but then don't honor you with best picture almost feels like they give you best director for the sake of it so i'm glad they made the right decision and just completely showered the departed with all love so i guess the big question here is why when out of all the best film precursors were split did the academy go with an aggressive foul mouth gangster movie instead of one of some of the more kind of meaningful traditional thought-provoking movies that were nominated for best picture I guess on that note, it's good to discuss kind of what happened the year before at the Academy to give some context as to why they made the decisions they did this year. So obviously the 2006 Oscars are um, honouring the movies of 2005 made honestly the worst decision the Academy's ever made, where they honoured Crash with Best Picture instead of Robert Mauer. Now as soon as this happened, it was known as an immediate joke. Crash has gone down, not as just a bad Best Picture movie, but I guess in general it's not the best movie ever. Uh, it's kind of grown a reputation as kind of having some very dodgy messages about race and Paul Haggis since then has grown controversy, which has then made the movie look even worse. Um, and obviously more than anything else, when Brokeback Mountain won all the precursors, the Academy were instantly kind of labelled with kind of being homophobic by being uncomfortable with not honouring Brokeback Mountain and Best Pictures because it uh, just because it was an LGBTQ movie. So the Academy definitely had this in their mind when voting. So, you know, The Departed, for context, before I say any of what I'm about to say, it's my absolute favourite movie. I have got a massive tattoo all down my left forearm of just The Departed. Call me sad all you want, it's my favourite movie. I fucking love it. However, I think it's only fair and sensible to say, going into the night, um, going into more the voting period, to be fair, they... They knew they, they really had to make up for their mistakes before. The Departed was most definitely, out of all the Best Picture nominees, the most critically acclaimed. It probably was the most acclaimed amongst audiences. So they kind of, in a way, despite, despite the fact I love The Departed and I know it's a great Best Picture winner, I always feel like what happened the year before, even though it's still unforgivable the fact Robert Mountain lost Best Picture, helped The Departed in the end because 
the academy knew they had fucked up and they needed to make it up big time. It's like when Green Book won Best Picture and then right afterwards the Parasite wins Best Picture. I'm not trying to take away from how great of a movie Parasite is, but if the year before had Green Book lost what lost Best Picture, would Parasite then win? Maybe. But I don't think I'm being unreasonable when I say I'm not the only person who's genuinely considered have the Academy made these decisions because they know they fucked up and they need to make make up for it. But to discuss The Departed more and to go on to these Best Picture winner mores, just to starting with the winner itself, The Departed. Alright, yeah, it may not be the most emotional movie ever or the most sentimental movie ever, but it's just fucking great on so many levels. I'm talking the acting, the directing, the screenplay, how it makes this kind of maze of a story work and make sense. And by the end, just kind of become completely rounded and feel like a full, complete story. It's so satisfying in that sense. And I know that we often talk about with Best Picture winners, like what makes you cry? What makes your heart go kind of yay? And The Departed doesn't do that, but it's such an entertaining movie. Like, it's got an 8.59 dB. It's the highest rated of any of these Best Picture nominees. And that just speaks volumes to the craft behind the camera. One more interesting thing to discuss about The Departed before moving on to the other Best Picture nominees is that it came out in October without any sort of theatrical run. This just came out as just kind of aiming to be just another great fun thrilling scorsese movie or yeah i'm sure they kind of had a campaign run very much planned i don't think anybody was eyeing up, eyeing up best picture it was only kind of when it came out and it was as acclaimed and loved as, as loved it was and then they kind of thought to themselves well we can get nicholson into best best performing actor onto that later we can get leonardo dicaprio into best actor onto that later we can get maybe a screenplay win we can get scorsese nominated into director that they probably kind of all went like shit we've got a real contender around and we can win and like any other great year it is without without competition um obviously as i mentioned all of the precursors had split wins in terms of best film winners that end up getting nominated for best picture but its main competition for sure was a lot of sunshine again much like the departed this just debuted i think it did have a festival run but this just debuted in september of 2006 without really planning on any sort of oscar run but again, it was when it came out and it was as acclaimed as it was and they sure what they could get it in for the wins and nominations for they sure that they thought, wow, we really do have a contender at hand. However, despite the fact it became as strong as a contender as it did, it did take a little while for it to kick in. I think it was only when it won SAG Ensemble and it was nominated for the fucking DGA that they realised that they had such a strong competition in their hand. And I think at that point it became very clear towards anybody who was predicting the Oscars at the time that even obviously this award ceremony hadn't happened at the time, they were having another kind of Parasite versus 1917-esque year where they had the actors feel-good movie uh, versus the more arts and crafty movie of the year, despite the fact that year the arts and crafty movie being the Departed one best picture going into 2007's oscar night i probably would have been predicting that with sunshine if i'm being pristinely honest with the stats that existed back then even they sit exist now pga winner and sag winner have a way better chance of winning best picture than any other movie nominated in a way it's kind of a standard that the part did win best picture beating these stats because basically whenever a movie wins pga 90 percent of the time it goes on to win best picture at the oscars 
I think what happened with Little Miss Sunshine, if that's feel good and half hours it is, I think, you know, after a while, it is a movie that you can get bored of. Feel good movies do have that. I think about a favourite song that you want to have that now when you hear it, like, you kind of just skip it because you're bored of it. It kind of has the same effect. Whilst a movie like The Departed, it you either love it straight away, even if you don't, it kind of grows on you and you think about it and you respect its arts and its crafts more and more and more every day. Whilst a movie like Little Miss Sunshine, you either love it and maybe yeah you did give it your number one vote or you did love it and you get bored of it as the season goes on or you're maybe a little bit like me where feel good movies aren't your thing and it just wasn't thing at all it's at the bottom of your ballot the departed on the other hand despite the fact i don't think they did things by preferential ballot back then it's just a movie that even if you don't love it you really respect it and the the oscars is really built in with not just actors who fair enough yeah maybe given all their love to little miss sunshine but then think about all the tech categories you know cinematography editing music acting like all those other categories would have just showered the departed with love an argument as to why you could have been predicting the departed to win best picture back then if you're feeling that brave is that everyone was going in knowing the departed was going to win director and knowing the departed was going to win adapted screenplay and at that point with those two you're very strong to win best picture and even if at the time people weren't thinking like that because let the sunshine won pga in hindsight we can look back on it and know winning director and screenplay is such a strong combo that you really can't go against like the past few years for example when it's happened i'm talking you know parasite and everything everyone all at once being the two most recents they always win best picture because this because winning director and screenplay people often wonder why whenever they win that it goes on to win best picture all the time they are like the categories the most where you have the opportunity to go yes i love this we respect you we love what you've given us because obviously the movie always starts with the screenplay and that's where the story originates from and the director is the one who molds it all together so putting two and two together it does make a lot more sense than what you think on the surface going into the other best picture nominees of that year I'm just going to get it out of the way now. The movie that, for some reason, got nominated at every best film precursor war that possibly could, that just rubs me the wrong way every time I think about it, is The Queen. Now, The Queen is a good movie, and a good movie is where it's at, and it's where it stays. I wouldn't say, besides probably Helen Mirren and costumes, it deserved any more love, but every fucking award ceremony just showered it with nominations after nomination after nomination, I'm talking like up, upwards of 10 nominations to some places, and it's a perfectly fine, average, normal piece of cinema about the, about the Queen. I, I feel like this is just the type of movie that sits on Netflix and you scroll past it, and then you kind of move on and you think, oh yeah, I remember seeing that movie, it was okay, yeah, I'm not gonna watch it again though, um, Helen Mirren, obviously great, as she always is, but going above and fucking beyond and giving animations in director and screenplay, it just makes me think like, come on guys, especially when there were other nominees outside, we'll go on to in a sec, that were way more deserving. BAFTA, of course, no, no surprise at all, went as far as to award it with best film itself. Ugh, it does make you cringe a bit, but there you go. Going on to best Golden Globe drama winner, Babel. Amazing, it won Best Golden Globe Drama over Martin Scorsese. The Globes love Marty, and I can imagine for anybody who was hoping to see a departed victory at the Oscars, I can imagine this being the first awards ceremony, then seeing Martin Scorsese lose at the Golden Globes was probably a big knock, knock in confidence. Anyway, 
uh, Babel, which got nominated uh, seven times at the Golden Globes, seven BAFTA nominations, seven Critics' Choice nominations, and seven Oscar nominations in the movie of the year of the 2007 Oscars. Uh, yeah, just the movie of sevens, I guess. Uh, very surprisingly, just kind of one best gone and go drama, just kind of out of left field. There was nothing really to say this was planning on being as a big awards contender as maybe people would have thought it would have been after one best gone and go drama. However, it kind of stopped there and it didn't win any other big kind of precursors after that. It was very kind of similar to when Bohemian Rhapsody won best gone and go drama. It kind of happened. We everyone kind of went, What does this mean? and it didn't go anywhere. Um, Bad One Away, very good movie and very similar to Crash in terms of its story structure and it being kind of about culture and society and racism. However, it's told in a much more better poignant way. So I find it very ironic that Crash comes out the year before. It's as crappy as it is, but then still wins Best Picture. Babylon then comes out, wins Golden Globe drama, and then kind of ends there. And I do wonder if maybe Crash hadn't come out, maybe it would have helped Babel more. At that point, I think I'm just speculating because they're still kind of, still very, they're still kind of different, just very similar movies and structure and what they're about. But it's definitely an interesting thing to discuss. The last of the Best Picture nominees I haven't discussed yet was Letters from Yojima. Um, it was a companion piece to another movie called Flags of Our Fathers. And basically... Flags of Our Fathers was told from the American point of view of the war, and Letters from Eugene was told from the Japanese point of World War II. Um, and that's basically all I can tell you. I will confess now, I haven't actually seen Letters of Ujima or Flags of Our Father, so I can't comment on the quality of Emma's movies. I've heard they're very good, and it's Clint Eastwood, so I believe they're very good, but, you know, haven't seen it. Letters from Ujima, however, only got nominated in Critics' Choice, so it was kind of a surprising nomination, but it did take the place of another movie. That movie being a great musical called Dreamgirls. Dreamgirls was a movie that was trying to replicate the charms of Broadway and in very many ways succeeded. And during the whole of award season, it was very successful. It got nominated for Best Film at Golden Globes, Court and Critics' Choice and PGA and won Golden Globes comedy musical over Front Runner Little Miss Sunshine because the Globes... They love their musicals. Um, you know, Dreamgirls is a great movie. However, even I'll admit, somebody who really likes it, I think that's a little bit of a bit step too far. I would say Little Miss Sunshine still deserves the win over Dreamgirls in retrospect. But, you know, not a big deal. Little Miss Sunshine ended up prevailing over Dreamgirls in the end anyway. But this was just a huge shocker. Not even not only did they get those best film precursor nominations. But it also got nominated for DGA. It got nominated for DGA. So PGA, DGA, SAG Ensemble. Nowhere to be seen at the Oscars. Nowhere to be seen at all. Wow, 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 wow. I mean, obviously I haven't seen Letters from Ujima. So I can't comment on whether it could have swapped it for that. But coming from someone who's seen The Queen and just is not a fan. And then you see Dream Girls. Which is such a kind of... I was going to say Masterclass. I think Masterclass a bit too much. But... It, it's such a kind of a talent in terms of the acting, the music, the set decorations, the um, costumes, the directing. I would have happily have seen a world in which you swap out the Queen and then you get Dream Girls in. But, you know, Oscars will be Oscars. And this does feel like a very 2007 Oscars thing to do. To nominate a standard bio biopic about the Queen over a black-led film. Uh, a black-led musical film, might I, might I add, about kind of the golden age of Broadway. 
Other movies that were kind of a part of the awards conversation that year that could have potentially have gotten nominated for Best Picture, um, there was none really that had a solid chance. I think this top six, including Dreamgirls, which just missed a nomination, were all kind of there in contention to get the nomination. The only seventh that I probably would say was in the conversation as well was United 93. Now, United 93, for anybody who doesn't know, takes place on one of the planes that crashed into the Twin Towers. So... <laughs> It was obviously a very difficult movie to watch, and at the time, it was a very hard movie to get through. 9-11, I don't think it will ever be something that people get over. But as of the time in 2007, when this movie came out and was a part of the awards conversation, 9-11 had only happened six years ago. It was still fresh to people's mind. There was a lot of kind of tensions between races and whatnot because of 9-11. I don't think the Academy were kind of ready to go that far and on a movie like it. So it doesn't really surprise me too much that it didn't get the nomination at the end. Other movies that were kind of in the conversation in a way, but weren't really ever deemed to get a Best Pitch nomination. Little Children by Todd uh, Fields. Uh, Blood Diamond was kind of there, got nominated for Critics' Choice, but it's never going to really win. A movie that I'm kind of surprised never was really part of the conversation at all, because it's kind of gone down now as a classic in his filmography, from a man who now has a Best Direction, Best Picture win under his belt, is Pan's Labyrinth. But I guess kind of with Pan's Labyrinth, it's a very kind of technically amazing movie however in terms of storytelling it doesn't really have that kind of oomph that the academy look for uh and then there was notes of a scandal in the last king of scotland but they kind of had their nomination here there like one at critics choice one at bafta but we're all being realistic with this top seven it was never going to happen going on to best director his time had come and nobody was going to argue it and nobody was going to be upset about it. Martin Scorsese had been working in the film industry for decades at this point and his time had finally come for Best Director. And he almost just swept the season. He won Golden Globes, of course, the Golden Globes Love Marty, Critics' Choice and DGA. The only place that he lost, and this would have been an absolute shocker at the time, but Paul Greengrass actually won at the BAFTAs for Best Directing for United 93, which then also did go on to get the Oscar nomination for Best Director. Now, if at the time I was like I was there, I probably would have been a bit worried. Just you know, when whenever this, this type of thing happens, even though you know realistically it's never going to transpire into anything, that's that part of your brain that always kind of irrationally just gets worried about whether this will change the season a lot, like this year when all quite the Western Front swept the BAFTAs and everyone's thinking oh my god is this now going to win all the Oscars and it never happened but you know we're all guilty of it and I think that's fair it just shows our love for a movie yeah geez I don't want to think about how much of a shock has been at the time this would have probably been like this year when Edward Berger just randomly won at the BAFTAs for best director for All Quiet um but I've got to say for as much as I love Martin I probably have still given him my vote definitely would have given him my, given him my vote it's not a bad one at all it is a really well directed movie and it really does just kind of capture like the emotional intensity of what it must have been like at the time to be in that moment to kind of be on that plane like knowing what's going what knowing what's going down other nominees include uh Stephen Frears for the Queen that got in at Golden Globes Critics Choice GJ and BAFTA yeah right moving along so that was actually surprisingly the only um other nominee to get nominated absolutely ever even Alejandro G in in Aritu, got nominated at Golden Globes, GGA and BAFTA for Babel, but missed a Critics' Choice nomination. Fucking crazy. Fucking disgusting and fucking crazy. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, clearly this was his year in a sense. He got a lot of nominations for Babel, but this wasn't really his year in terms of the win. He kind of had to set out this year, unfortunately. His competition with Martin Scorsese and Paul Greengrass was clearly just way too strong, but as we all know, I think it was more than made up 
the next decade because now he is absolutely littered in awards. So the other nominee I haven't spoken about yet is uh, Clint Eastwood for Letters of Iwo Jima. Uh, I, this was clearly a nomination that he just snuck in and if the Academy didn't love Eastwood as much as they did there'd be no way in hell would have got this nomination because he only got in at Golden Globes and Critics' Choice and neither of which as we know kind of from previous years are particularly strong precursors in order to get into the Oscars but what can I say the Academy loved Clint and it's especially surprising when there were two DGA nominees that didn't get in for a Best Director nomination in the end. That is absolutely madness. The DGA aligns with the Oscars usually so well. They usually get four out of five, sometimes five out of five every year. So the fact there's only three out of five this year is just absolutely just bonkers. And those nominees being Jonathan Dayton and Valerie uh, Ferris for Little Miss Sunshine and Bill Condon for Dreamgirls. Um, I do find it absolutely crazy to think how well Dreamgirls kind of did along its awards path, even winning Golden Globe Comedy Musical, getting in supporting actors everywhere, getting wins, getting Eddie Murphy wins everywhere, and then right at the end, it's just all taken away from it, but that's just the nature of the game, folks. Best Actor. Forrest Whitaker just had this in the bag this year. He swept everywhere. There was no question in anyone's mind when it came to the night of the Oscars that he was going to win for leading actor for Last King of Scotland. Now, I think this win's particularly strong because right there was Peter O'Toole for Venus, who also got nominated everywhere, who just didn't win. And I do believe that if this was any other year, Peter O'Toole would be walking away as an Oscar winner. But Forrest Whitaker in Last King of Scotland, he plays one evil son of a bitch at times. And he just nails it. I think Last King of Scotland kind of holds the reputation it does and is just as strongly revered as it is. It's purely just on his performance alone. I mean, don't get me wrong, James McAvoy has some incredible scenes. Like that torture scene is rough, man, but Forrest Whitaker just builds bridges in that movie. Um, and now, I think the most fascinating thing to discuss in Leading Actor, um, besides the fact that the other nominees were Will Smith for Purchase of Happiness, who got in Golden Globes, Crookshook Sag, who maybe actually could have potentially won if it wasn't Forrest Whitaker. Peter O'Toole would have been a strong competition, but, you know, he cries, he makes you laugh, he makes you emotional, he makes you sad, he makes you guilty, feel guilty in the pursuit of happiness, so he was right there. And then Ryan Gosling and Half Nelson, who got in Critics' Choice and SAG, and he got him purely because he was good. Half Nelson was a little movie, made barely any money, but Ryan Gosling is fucking damn good in that movie, so I love to see it. But I think the most interesting thing here is that we have Leonardo DiCaprio nominated in Blood Diamond, so you're probably wondering, as a part that came out yeah. Best Picture winner. He is better in that movie. So why are we seeing him nominated in for lead actor in Blood Diamond? Now, I'm not saying away from his performance in Blood Diamond, but we all know that the two lead actors' performances of his of that year for him, the Departed is better. So, a little bit of a, a little bit of a kind of case study for you in itself. So, the Departed had a lot of strong acting competition throughout the whole movie. So, the studio, what they decided to do is that they had a they had a decision. They could either go with Blood Diamond or they could go with the Departed. Both owned by the same studio. They decided to campaign Leonardo DiCaprio in lead for Blood Diamond and get how offensive and wrong this is to try to get over campaigning him in supporting actor for The Departed. Um, it's also said that apparently he did this because he didn't want to get in the way of his competition in The Departed. I, I'm not sure how true I believe that because I don't think Leonardo DiCaprio is the type of person that would be afraid of getting nominations anywhere, but there you go. But this is just a kind of a classic example of why the Oscars, even to this day, need to sort out their rules on what they consider lead, what they can support. Yes, fine, I know that they can that they can nominate and vote wherever they please. I mean, I think the best example of this was when Lakeith Sanfield surprisingly got nominated in supporting actor. But 
Like, they should sell rules early on where they they set strict rules where they're in the movie a certain amount of time or movie was wrong with this character for a certain amount of time. It should be lead or supporting. Because then you get bullshittery like this where Leonardo DiCaprio should be nominated for The Departed but he's not ready for the damn fucking movie. Apart from that, there aren't really any other potential nominees that could have gotten in the end that didn't. Sosh Baron Cohen got nominated and won for Best Comedy Musical Actor at the Golden Globes for Borat. That would have been a funny, cool, kind of quirky nomination, but let's face it, it's never going to happen. And weirdly enough, the BAFTAs, and for the record, this is coming from a hardcore James Bond fan, went as far as to nominate Daniel Craig for leading, leading actor for Casino Royale. Um... Yeah, so the BAFTAs absolutely love Casino Royale. It was a return to form from James Bond. It got 10 nominations. And at the Oscars, uh, I'll give you a moment to guess how many nominations it got. Okay, right. One, two, three. Yeah, it got zero nominations at the Oscars. Going on to leading actress, Helen Mirren won for leading role for the Queen. Now, even though I do think I have been slamming the Queen probably more than I've intended to, I will fully back this performance. It is a great performance, even if it is a little bit baity. It's still a great performance nonetheless, and I would say it's definitely Oscar-worthy. Now, this really was Helen Mirren's time. Now, interestingly enough, she was very late to the Oscar scene. Her first nomination was actually in 1995 for Best Supporting Actress for The Madness of King George. She was then nominated again for Supporting Actress for Gods of Part, but Supporting Actress doesn't feel as good, so... It's almost quite satisfying in itself that she actually won for a leading performance for, to be fair, a relative deserving, deserving performance. Alright, yeah, it's a bit baity. Yeah, there are performances along the lineup which maybe be a little bit more kind of cool, if you know what I mean. Fair enough. But I, I'm fully for this um, win and she swept everywhere. And speaking of sweeps, this is probably the first time this has ever happened. I'm not sure we'll ever see this again. All of the Best Actress nominees all got nominated at Golden Globes, Critics Choice, SAG, BAFTA. They just all followed over onto every single awards pundit. They just all got nominated together. They got very used to seeing each other's faces and hearing each other's names being called out on, on nomination call-out at every single awards show. So the other nominees were Mel Street for The Devil Wears Prada, which she actually won for Golden Globe Comedy Musical, where Helen Mirren had won... Uh, uh, movie drama and then she got no Crick's Choice SAG BAFTA same goes with Judy Dench for Notes of Scandal Kate Winslet for Little Children and Penelope Cruz for Volva which to be fair if I could choose that as a lineup, I'd probably choose that as a leading actress win. But for a movie like that, just to see a nominate for lead actress everywhere is super cool in itself for me. The only other interesting thing to bring up about Best Actress for this year is that Beyonce got nominated for Best Golden Globe Comedy Musical Actress for Dreamgirls. Now, this is kind of hilarious for me because the reason why Dreamgirls was made, or so it's speculated it was made, because Beyonce was trying to kind of get out of the music scene, show her more diverse skills. And she did do that in Dreamgirls, but the whole point was that she was meant to kind of like take over and, you know, win lead actress and this is Beyonce you know she's multi-skilled look at her go and then the ironic thing is that did happen but to somebody else and it happened to Jennifer Hudson you know who just won American Idol a few years ago and went from being an American Idol sorry I think I called her a winner she actually dropped off American Idol I think before the final so she didn't even win so to go from somebody who was on a, on a talent show to be then becoming an Oscar winner in a fucking acting category when she's a singer is just absolutely astounding in it. it i guess it's kind of like a great kind of fairy tale dreams can come true type of thing but that's just hilarious how beyonce was trying to get her oscar and it ended up going to jennifer hudson and with that i'll kind of use that in a segue into best supporting actors where yeah just discussed jennifer hudson won for dream girls now say what you want about dream girls and yes it kind of dipped off at the oscars didn't get so many nominations out of hoped you cannot deny this performance she's singing she's crying she's being bombastic she just did everything you need to do to win an Oscar. She looked at that checkbook and went, yep, 
I'm winning a fucking Oscar. I don't care what it takes me. And she swept Golden Globes, Critics' Choice, SAG, BAFTA. Like, nobody wants to deny this performance. Even at BAFTA, where they didn't care for Dreamgirls at all and only got nominated in two categories, they still gave her the win. And she was the only person to sweep nominations in Golden Globes, Critics' Choice, SAG, and BAFTA. Uh, the next probably runner-up to her was Kate Winslet for Notes of Scandal, where she got Golden Globes, Critics' Choice, and SAG. But very surprising, Miss BAFTA, which is very strange because BAFTA are very well known for kind of nominating not just European, but for some reason Australian um performances a lot i think margot robbie they've showered a lot of love with before so kind of odd that she didn't get in there but yeah great performance no scandal love to see it here adriana barraza for babble um i'm really sorry to say your name wrong but rinko karuchi for babble also got nominated both outstanding performances in supporting act in the supporting roles for babble so glad to see they both got in and then little Abigail Breslin for Little Miss Sunshine, who only got in a SAG and BAFTA, so she just squeezed in. And But with this nomination, it makes her one of the youngest um, Oscar nominees in the history of the Academy. The only other maybe in supporting actress who didn't get in in the end was Toni Collette for Little Miss Sunshine as well. She got an in at BAFTA for supporting actress and also Golden Globe lead for comedy musical actress. Now, I think this is one of those performances where you can kind of argue two and four whether it's supporting a lead. Because I guess kind of the whole... A cast are kind of supporting one another. There's no necessarily specifically in Little Sunshine, so I don't think either categories would have been offensive if she got in. Now it would have been nice to see Tony get Tony Collette get nominated for Little Miss Sunshine, but at the same time, when you got such a stack line like this, you can't really get upset when one doesn't make it into a category of five. Moving on to best supporting actor. Now this is probably my favorite category purely because it was a complete just I don't even know what to call it, just a completely messed up shit show of a category. So. Alan Arkin wins for Little Miss Sunshine, only gets nominated at Critics' Choice SAG and BAFTA, and only wins at BAFTA. Then you have Eddie Murphy for Dreamgirls, who won at Golden Globes, Critics' Choice and SAG, but then got snubbed at BAFTA, BAFTA because for some reason the BAFTAs hate Dreamgirls. What the fuck, Academy? Alan Arkin kind of comes and goes in Little Miss Sunshine. Like, he's fine in it. He's very sweet in it. Like, you know, that chat between him and Abigail Breslin where he's talking about losers and who are the real winners. That's a very sweet scene and everything, but... Why give him an Oscar when, when you have Eddie Murphy, who is the literal scene stealer of the show, he's doing everything he can to get an Oscar and more, he's so good in it, and then you choose Alan Arkin Little Miss Sunshine. That is offensive, if you ask me. Not a direct attack to Alan Arkin, I like him a lot, I think he could have won maybe another time and just never did, but... I don't get this. Now, Alan Arkin, at this point, hadn't been nominated since the 60s. So it's probably like a kind of cliche, oh, it's their time, we've got to give them a win now before it's too late type of thing. But come on, like, come on. Now, it is actually said that apparently Eddie Murphy, as soon as this happened, he walked out of the ceremony and refused to ever come back. Now, a part of me does agree that this is kind of sore loser of him. Like, you should never really do that. Like, it's about, you know, you should always be happy for who wins. But at the same time, he'd clearly fought hard for this performance and to try and get this win. And when you kind of know that you tried and you did so much of the performance, I can see why it'd be a little bit more offensive. Other nominees, including the supporting role in Blood Diamond, I'm not going to try and even attempt to pronounce that name because that would just be very wrong of me. Uh, Jackie O'Haley in Little Children uh, just got nominated at SAG and then Mark Wahlberg nominated for the Department of Globe. Now I probably at this point pretty scratch your head going what? So where did I just hear the name Jack Nicholson? You know now the reason for that prior to the conversation we just had about Leonardo DiCaprio being campaigned and supporting he didn't get nominated. He got nominated to Golden Globe, Creek Choice and BAFTA not at SAG and then missed the Oscar. How does this happen? If this 
if this movie came out today, I'd be discussing the possibilities of Jack Nicholson winning. He is a Steven Seeler and a Best Picture winner, and he is horrifying whenever he's in that movie. He is one of his all-time great performances from one of the all-time great actors. Now, now, the only reason I can kind of put that this even happened, or I can even try and make sense of it, is that there was Mark Wahlberg, Leonardo DiCaprio, and Jack Nicholson all campaigning in Best Supporting Actor. Now, it was probably just a case of it was also up in the air, and the campaigning got so muffled with there being a confusion over the fact that Leonardo DiCaprio is a lead and being campaign supporting then there's Jack Nicholson and Mark Wahlberg what do you do and then they all just kind of tick the wrong box like I, I just don't know what else to say now don't get me wrong Wahlberg is great whenever he is in the movie but he's barely in it and I'd say he's probably like the fourth best performance behind DiCaprio, Damon and Nicholson in the movie so how this happened I don't know he was very lucky to get the nomination and I think anybody who kind of looks back in this year always kind of looks back at, at that Jack Nicholson stub as just being kind of one of the worst Oscar snubs in terms of a performance because it's so good and Nicholson is great in it and it could have been would have been great to see him win an Oscar in another decade and it should have happened and he would have come so close if he just got the nomination in the first place Okay, so final two categories. So, best original screenplay. Let My Sunshine was an original screenplay. The part was an adapted screenplay. Perfect. They can share the love and sure they did. Let My Sunshine absolutely swept everywhere it was nominated. So, Critics' Choice, uh, WJ, and BAFTA. Uh, it won. Now, shockingly enough, it wasn't even nominated at the Golden Ghost of Screenplay. Crazy. The Globes, they love their musicals, they love their screenplay movies, but it wasn't nominated. Crazy, crazy, crazy. But. Alas, we saw it win a Best Original Screenplay at the Oscars, so not to worry. The the Golden Globes actually went really weird and gave the Queen a Best uh, Screenplay, and I'm sure you can imagine my feelings on that one, but I shall not uh, take a shit on the movie The Queen anymore. I will leave it at that. Um, the Queen actually got nominated everywhere. Golden Globes, Critics' Choice, WG, and BAFTA for Original Screenplay. Same goes for Babel. Then Pan's Labyrinth actually got a lovely little nomination in, in Original Screenplay, which is really nice to see. The Academy didn't shower Pan's Labyrinth with much love outside of this category, unfortunately. Even in Best International Feature Film, it didn't even win when it was the front runner, and that was just a complete shocker in itself. But anyway, and then surprisingly, Letters from Iwo Jima got nominated for Best Original Screenplay without any prior nominations. Just got to, it just goes to show, doesn't it? The Academy love Clint. Best Adapted Screenplay. Now, much to a surprise, The Departed didn't have as an easy road with this category as you think. It only actually won at the WGA. The BAFTAs, Critics' Choice, and Golden Globes all decided to go separate ways with this category, but then luckily the Oscars did the right thing and all The Departed. And without this screenplay win, I'm not sure whether The Departed would have won Best Picture in the end, because as we all know, that screenplay win is even stronger than Director, in my opinion. You've got to have Best Original Screenplay or Adapted Screenplay if you want to win Best Director. That or a director nomination, director win, sorry, you can win with, but screenplay is just way more strong. If you've got a screenplay win, you're in a contention to win, in my opinion. Other nominees in Adapted Screenplay were Little Children, which got nominated in Golden Globes, Critics' Choice, WGA. Notes were Scandal, which got nominated at Golden Globes, BAFTA, and USC. And then, interestingly enough, and I know it happened again with the sequel, but Borat, for some odd reason, just gets nominated for screenplay. And I get they kind of want to show the movie love in some area, and I guess honouring the craft in some sort of way is screenplay, but Borat's mainly... Um, improv, which so it's very odd that they nominate it, but I like Borat, so it doesn't upset me too much. And then one of my favourite movies, which I'm really glad to see got some love somewhere because it didn't really get much um, honour elsewhere, 
is uh, Children of Men, a movie that I absolutely love. And with that, folks, that is my coverage of the 79th Academy Awards, where The Departed won Best Picture and Dreamgirls got snubbed. Thank you all very much for listening. I did kind of consider going into more of the categories, but I thought I'd go into the main ones, as they're the most kind of meaty and interesting. If for the next Oscars retrospective you'd like to see me do more, then please just do get in contact. I know I'll happily cover all categories, but I thought I'd try like this for now and just kind of see what the consensus is from you guys. But thank you very much for listening. Until next time, folks. So long for now.